interwebs tis i christy and it's kelly and you are back joining us once again at unnerved Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! episode what 19 19 holy smokes yeah holy cow <laughs> we did it guys we're almost there almost at 20 which excited for our 20th episode but we'll talk about that at the Later. end of this one. <laughs> right now we are covering a movie from 100 years in the past almost uh, yeah. Nosferatu from 1922. Yes, uh, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, I guess, which I didn't yes. realize that's what it was called until doing research. Yes, it is a silent black and white film, mm-hmm. so it's primarily orchestra over the whole thing. Yes. There are many different versions, like one has like a whole orchestra in the background, the one we watched had some really intense organ music playing in the background. Very intense. It was so intense. It, it was almost unfitting, but the original score was composed by Hans Erdmann, and that was, back then they would have an orchestra or like a pit with a movie Mm -hmm. and they would play the score but that got basically lost at some point like a lot of apparently a lot of films from this time period just died in that we just don't have record of them so we don't have exact recordings from the original score of Nosferatu so people have like tried to put together what they believed it sound like and stuff so there's some scores like that there's other things that have been redone so eh. you think that like a score would be actually, like, written down and, like, preserved in some sort of music area. I just wonder if, if it didn't survive because of the issues surrounding That could movie. be, too, but like I said, you write down a score. So yeah. where, where's the written... Where's the written score? score? I have no idea. So I can understand the recordings being lost, but I can't understand, like, a... The sheet music. The sheet music being lost. So that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll is. discover it at some point in the future. Be like we've lo- we found some the lost score <laughs> deep in the bowels of some weird tavern yeah, somewhere. Maybe it's possible. We we find crazy stuff all all the time. I wonder if it's archived somewhere that we just don't realize too. Like it could be someone did put it away at some point, but didn't log that they put it away. And, and it's it could just be under out. a different name too. Yeah. Like it could just be like oh for a vampire movie. Yeah. Okay, what vampire movie? Which one are you talking about? There's so many. Uh, but yes, this is the first ever vampire movie. The OG. <laughs> yes, the original. And I'm just going to get the kill count out of the way. Kill count is eight. We had eight people that died, which okay. is pretty high. I did not include the fly getting eaten by the Venus flytrap <laughs> that some people on the internet were trying to dispute. No, I'm just like, that does not count. It doesn't count, so I didn't count it because it's not, I don't know. That's not a human death. Human deaths. Eight. Okay. Yes, so we have pretty much everybody on the ship, and then we yeah. have some people Obviously. all over We have people getting killed with their heads being snapped. Yeah, so we have yeah we have we have a few deaths. We have a few deaths. Yeah, let's roll a couple. You want to hit us with that case? <laughs> sure. So first and foremost, we have to start start with the Count Orlock, aka Dracula, <laughs> aka Nosferatu, I guess, uh, played by Max Schreck. Um, there's a lot of chitter chatter around that man. Yeah. Um, People thought he was a real vampire. Yeah, there was a whole thing. Apparently he was kind of an odd dude. Bit of a weird, eclectic man who kept kind of to himself. And I guess, I don't know, people make up rumors. And they're like, but he didn't get a vampire. 
Shrek also means terror in German, which yeah. didn't help his case. No. It, it has a lot of different meanings, but yeah, terror, sadness, distress, fear, anxiety. Like, yeah. That's his last name. That's so sad. Big sad. But apparently he wasn't, he had quite a film credit history. He owned it. He did. I think he did a great job. But anyway. Yeah. Then uh, we have Thomas Hutter. He's your main protagonist man. He's played by Gustav von Wagenheim. I believe is how you That's our pretty good. Uh, I'd say that's A+. Plus. Okay, okay, I try. <laughs> and then his wife, we could, we could get into her, but Helen Ellen Hutter is played by Greta Schroeder. <sighs> she walked on her tiptoes. She walked on her tiptoes. Now we get cold, baby. You know, the first bite on your baby titty bills. <laughs> I know that they have to overact to make it show on film, mm -hmm. but I didn't like her. That's fair. Um, and then we have Her Knock, and he is the crazy... He's also a vampire. He works under Count Orlock in the town that they're in, which I think is called Wisborg in this fictional world. And he's played by Alexander Gronach. And then finally, we did throw in the ship owner Harding, who also dies to Count Orlock spoilers, is played by George H. Schnell. Um, director for this is F.W. Murnau, which turns out this is like his probably most well-known film, even though he has one called Sunrise? Yes. That, that he made in the U.S., I think. California. I think that's right. I think that's correct. That don't right. quote me on that one. but apparently, i don't have it written down, i think you're but I right think it's california i think you're right because they talked about that one winning an academy award yeah so and that's usually american films so anyways whatever fw Murna is the director and it was produced by enrico dykeman and alvin growl yeah alvin growl man yeah we'll get into him he's important yeah uh, but anyways, let's just jump into the synopsis. We don't know how long this one's going to be, because I have a lot of weird facts. It's, it's... And, but the plot is going to be real simple. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's an hour and a half movie, which for me, I was like, this is going to be under an hour. It's a silent film from the 20s. There's no way. No, it's an hour and a half. But it kind of bumbles through the plot a little bit to me. I mean, that was also the quote-unquote style and how they did things back then yeah so so we're gonna go through the basics of what happened it's a little harder to tell sell like tell what happened when they don't say anything right i mean you have those cue cards be like oh you're is this your wife man she has a lovely neck yeah boop, ba -dip, boop, boop. but there wasn't that much no like everything that you see is pretty much your interpretation for yeah the most part um so, it's set in 1838 in a fictional German town. Yes. Uh, not <laughs> German town, but, no. like, German-town. Yeah, We have a lot of German towns throughout the United States. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is a German-made film. Yes. Uh, we, we see Thomas Hodder. He's sent to Transylvania yep. by his employer, which is Aronach. Yep. Um... And he's like, oh, you have to go visit Count Orlac. He has plans to buy a house around here. And he's thinking about the one across from your house. And actually, in the, in the background of the scene, there's a guy with a hat that's bookkeeping. Oh. That's actually uh, Max Shrek. 
Oh, is it? Yeah, he made his a cameo in his own movie. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't he, even know that. He looks up and then looks back down. Oh. So fun oh. fact, early, early fun fact. Oh, and I think Knock is like you know it's gonna cost you blood or it's gonna cost you sweat and stuff and maybe a little bit of blood. And then oh, he ha, just kind of chuckles ha, ha, that off. He's ha, like, ha, ha, ha. Ha. he has some killer eyebrows going on. His eyebrows. They need to go to like the, those threading places, mm-hmm. and they need to fix those brow art. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're just long. They need a trimming. <laughs> Honestly, you could just take a scissors and just snip, snip some snip. of those off too. But it, he's kind of crazy looking. Yeah, and he's also looking at a page of like this a bunch of occult symbols on it. Yeah, and it's like it. From my interpretation, anybody can correct me if I'm wrong. But it looks like a note from Orlock, and it's just in, like, uh, in a cult subtext that yes. he's reading, like, this note. Like, it, it may translate to, hey, send this boy on over. I want his wife and house next door. Yes. Like. <laughs> I, that's what I understood, too, is that he needed to send someone to Count Orlock because Count Orlock asked him to. Yes. To prepare him to move over to Wisborg. Yes. So, uh, Hutter. Uh, says goodbye to lovely wife. They have, I love old kissing in movies because they're not kissing, right? They're just like kind of putting their heads close together because you never their, see their them. lips are to in this one their lips are together, but they're not like making the like extended lip like yes. motion. They're just there. There are moments where it's like eh. you don't see <laughs> you don't see them kiss. It's just like the back of her head and it covers, and she's clearly on his cheek. Like, yeah. it's too far to the side to be a real kiss. But they they hardly embrace one another. Yes. And she's distraught that he's No, leaving. don't go. Don't leave me. Yeah, I was like, okay, chill. Like. Clingy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be back. Calm down. He's going to go. He's going to try and make that money. He's trying to sell that real estate, though. Yeah, he is. He going to make you some Good, good, cha-cha, <laughs> come back with a nice little present for you. Except <laughs> the present is maybe death is fine. <laughs> but he packs and he grabs, like, this little book about vampires. I don't know where he got that, honestly. He just had maybe that Maybe he found point. it in, like, the hotel room. Because he stayed at right. a little inn. And then they... Because he was hearing rumors about, like, some sort of monster or something because the horses were acting up. Yeah, we have... And people were like, we don't go out at night because there's some creepy dude that just walks around mm-hmm. and he, it's, they're like, something's happening. Everybody senses that there's, there's something off and maybe he found, like, this book that someone gave him or he found it in the inn and it's like... Literally have no idea. At some point he just has it. And I'm like, okay, he has this now. Right. Like, I don't think he would have planned to actually, like, pack that. And no, I don't think He reads, so. like, two pages, and then he laughs at it. He throws it on the ground. <laughs> that was epic. He, like, <laughs> slams it down. <laughs> but he still packs it. Yes. And takes it with him. And then, after his night at the inn, then he goes to the Orlock estate. Yeah, he does, at the inn, mention, I'm going to Count Orlock's castle. And the... Everyone in there look turns around and is like, oh, gas. Yeah, take yourself. We don't want to get out of here. Like, right? Uh, but yes, he ma- then he makes it over after many 
little rockety roads. If there's a lot of random, like, sped up carriage rides in this movie. Yes. And people running, too. Like, it's weird. It's supposed to, apparently, from what I was reading and looking at, it's supposed to be unsettling and make it creepy, but it doesn't hold up. No. That is, that is a, an effect that did not hold up well. Over mm-hmm. It looks, nowadays, comedic? Yeah, it looks kind of fun. It's funky. Because, like, you have, like, what, Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. his comedy tended to be sped up. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the old, like, Three Stooges. I know that they sped up some of their material for, like, more slapstick stuff. So, like, it went from horror effect to being creepy and unsettling that things are being sped up to a comedic approach. And now we only associate it to the comedic side. Yeah. Yep. So. Hmm. Except in Carrie, when they had that weird sped up moment uh, when they were trying on their tuxes. Yeah, that was, that was also kind of comedic, though. Right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't no, no. work. No, 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 But he makes it to the estate. He does. He's like, oh, I'm here. And he is welcomed by none other than Count Orlock himself. With his long fingernails. Okay, he's got his hands his, out like he's showing off his manicure. That is not done. <laughs> yeah, he's just. Beep, boop, boop. Beep, boop, boop, boop. He's got his big old ears. And he looks kind of like he's got this little hat on. Is he's kind of like from a distance? It's like, oh, it's just a real little weird old man. It's fine. He's got a nice jacket. Yes. Yeah, he's being a little fashion model. He's actually it's a very striking figure because yes. he looks very long and very tall. Yes. He looks like what we would associate with vampires nowadays. Yes. Like a vampire who just woke up and needs breakfast. Yeah, you know, he's just, he just rolled out of the wrong side of the bed that morning and he just needs his <laughs> morning coffee. The co- the coffin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he, needs some, he needs himself some coffee, you know? Yeah. He needs a little plaque around his neck that says, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. He's wearing some slippers. And- <laughs> Uh, but yes, they, they start talking at the table mm-hmm. about the estate yeah. and where it's, where it's located, that it's across from Hutter and all that, and, like, somehow they get a picture, I think it falls out of his pocket or he shows it, like, in, by his watch or whatever, um, a picture of Hutter's wife. Yeah. And Orla's like, oh, is this your wife? She has a lovely neck. Yeah, look at that fine lady you got there. Look at that neck. <laughs> and it's just like they look at each other, and Hutter's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And okay. after reviewing some papers, I think they start to have a meal yeah, they together. Yeah, food. Uh, and somehow... Okay, this boy's stupid. Okay, let's just talk about he, this. He cuts his little finger. Yeah, it looked like he was trying to, like, cut bread... Or something, which is weird the way he was doing this, but he was holding, say, the bread in his left hand, and he cut towards himself with the knife. He cut towards his thumb. Yeah. Dumb. Okay, I mean, it was just dumb. So anyways, he gives himself a pretty good cut, actually. Orlock is like, ooh, you injured yourself? Let me take a look at that. Yeah, and uh, I think he actually, like, Orlock goes for it. He makes a move. Yeah, Hunter doesn't appreciate, and then Hunter gets pretty much cornered. Yeah, does and not then, like it. Yeah, he gets, sits in front of those chairs in that one. Yeah, he sits by the fire and Orlog just kind of 
Yeah, he, yeah, and then eventually he wakes up that morning. And, like, Still in the chair. Yeah, he's feeling around his neck. He's like, it's a little oh, sore. You know, I feel kind of weird or whatever. And he decides to, um. He doesn't remember it. No, he doesn't remember anything. It's very odd. I, so, I guess that's got to be the power of Count Orlock, right? Vampires, uh throughout different lores have like hypnotic powers or suggestive powers so it is possible that that's part of his abilities yeah and i think hunter ends up writing to ellen his wife and says i think i had bites, a weird dream yeah and these bites are mosquitoes man they're weird in this area it was like bruh you ever seen a mosquito give you two bite marks right next to what are you dude <laughs> Right? And they're, like, scabby. They're not, like, bumps. <laughs> yeah. So Hunter decides to pick up that book he found at some point or another and read a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. And we get to read it as the audience. It says something along the lines of, like, the telltale sign of a vampire is two little marks on your neck. So Hunter gets worried. Yeah. He still writes that letter to his wife. Finds some random dude that's riding past. Gives the dude the letter. He was not wearing, like, shoes pants. or pants. Or, like, it was very weird. Yeah, he was just like, hey, rando dude, take this letter. Okay. What? Dumb. <sighs> Dumb. So, anyways, he does that. And yeah. then he, like... Wife doesn't get it for a while. She doesn't get it till near the no, end of the movie. Too, yeah, and then he, like... Kind of huddles down in his room. Yeah, and he's kind of just watching the door and just trying to keep his distance from Orlock. Yeah. And is this the? I think this is the part where we see like the fun shadow play where Orlock's so. going up the stairs and he uh, opens the door with his mind. Yeah. Because he can do that. This is beautiful. Like this is a very well-known scene where with the shadow work and everything. It's yep. very cool. I like it. Him in the door. Like, for back then, the special effects, like, his makeup job, pretty darn good. Yeah, he's a good And the playing with shadows is definitely... Nice touch. Very nice. Um, but yeah, we, we see his iconic going through the door. Yep. And he is about to snack on Thomas. Snickety-snack. When Ellen, back in Wisborg, wakes up in this trance and... Tiptoes to... The balcony. And basically saves him. With her love. Her love so powerful it transcends all meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like, this boy is mine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. But she somehow saves him from Count Orlock's attack. Yes. Sure. Cool. Alright. She's the chosen one. Basically, yes. Yes. That's what I got from this. Yes. So, instead of him snacking, snacking down, he goes downstairs and packs up his coffin. Yes. And is going to go on the boat. Yeah. He's ready to get out of there. He's going to leave Thomas behind. And he does. Yeah. He yeets his way out of his old castle. He's just, he wanted a condo on the beachfront, you know, and he's just going to his vacation home. He just wanted to steal your girl. And eat half of the townspeople. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then what do you go blame it on? The plague. Great. This is a good, good, I think it was fine. It was great. Uh, 
But yes, he makes it on the boat. Yes. And then Hunter is kind of like putting two together. He's like, oh, shit, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. So he finds his way onto the same boat, I'm pretty sure. Isn't he on the same boat? Isn't I don't know he how he gets, I have no idea how he gets there. Honestly, I don't know if we saw his journey. Because he, Orlock would have eaten him. Yeah, but he couldn't eat him because of the wife. The wife was kind of always protecting him. I don't think... I thought Hunter was below deck of the ship, and the, the two guys, who eventually don't make it, spoiler alert, um, the captain and the guy who jumps off the side of the ship, they check in on somebody below deck, and I thought it was Hunter. I didn't think but he I could was be on wrong. that. I think I'm wrong. Maybe it's just one of the sick crew members. I think it was just a sick crew member, because Hunter, because remember yeah. they're searching the ship afterward he's not there yeah so hunter probably made it on a different boat it's bizarre okay or this is really hard. Of... this is hard to follow it is hard to follow yeah but they're the the captain and the healthy dude yes they're talking a little bit yep and they're like something's going on everybody's freaking sick or dead yep we have a problem so the underling he goes and checks out some of the cargo mm-hmm. and he sees rats coming out of the Coffin. No. And no. then I think he also sees Orlock. He in does. There. He freaks out. He runs up top to the to the top of the deck and he just jumps overboard. He's like, I'm taking my chances in the water. Bye. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. And the captain ties himself to um the post behind um the steering the mm-hmm. helm. I don't I'm not boat savvy, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't know either. It's 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 behind the wheel. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to steer this to Doc, whether it kills me or not. And Orlock, with his superpowers, goes up top to the top of the deck, and Munchy Munch is on him. And ship captain is now dead. Yes, and now the uh, ship is also covered in rats. Yes. And a um, hamster. So when the ship does arrive <laughs> eventually, Orlock just, he just walks off with his coffin Mm-hmm. He just does that, and we do see, like, a scene of people inspecting the ship, and, like, where's the crew? And there's just a bunch of rats, and not great. And they thought that Plague was now in their yes. town. Yep. So they sound the alarm that Plague is around, and everybody's hiding in their houses now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sounds very familiar. <laughs> a little too close to home? Yeah, a little too close. Well, apparently... This plague aspect is not in the book. I've okay, so I've never read Dracula. Yeah, we were kind of saving that for when we actually cover the movie Dracula. Okay, but so. I was gonna say never. So we'll do that eventually. But Bram Stoker, this is based on that. Yeah, and in that there is no plague, but they probably included the plague, which I'm sure people have heard of this now that we've had COVID. But in the late 19 teens, there was the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spanish flu. And so this takes place not soon after that. So having a plague element probably scared people pretty bad. And they probably saw some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, a lot of media then spurs from historic events. Yes. And so, I think this was no different. Correct. Um, but yeah, and, and this is where we see, like, different coffins of people dying. Yes. So I added them to the kill count. And that's kind of why we have the bigger number. Okay. Um, and we see, yeah, Orlock moves in next door. He does. And Hunter makes it home as well. Yes. 
embraces his wife. Yes. Who was scared for him. Well, so good scared. wife. Yes. Okay. She also finds the book. She does. She reads it a bit. She do that too. She terrified. Yeah. She's still scared. Very. Hutter's like, I'm gonna go get the doctor and Van Helsing and all that, because he's in this. Yeah, he, he is a doctor, <laughs> isn't he? Van Helsing. He's not a vampire I, uh I'm pretty sure Helsing was a teacher of the, I think like you're a right. cult. I think you're right. And then he also got the doctor. So they're two separate people. Okay. But they become prominent in the rest of the movie. Okay. And Helsing is, all, is in this known as being a vampire hunter. Okay. Um. But yes, he goes and gets gets his stuff, and and the wife reads more, and he, she sees this weird poem about how like a pure-hearted woman can distract a vampire until um, the rooster <laughs> yes. crows in the morning, and yeah. as long as she's pure of heart, she, it'll, yeah. it'll it'll defeat the vampire, and is willing to give herself to yeah. Count Orlock in the terms of sucking down the blood, and Orlock. Accepts the invitation. He does. Full, like, wholeheartedly, 100%, he is in. Yes. He's so about. we get more shadow play, more this opening of really doors. This was really cool. Um, he comes in and you see the shadow of his arm on her, on her chest. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, squeezes where her heart is. That was cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good little effect. It, it's nice. Real nice. 10 out of yeah. 10. So he drinketh her bro- her blood. Yep. And then it, the rooster crows, and yep. it's daytime. And poof, he melt. He he go poof. Goodbye. Bye. So everybody's safe. The plague's gone. Woohoo! But, but, Ellen in allowing herself to be eaten by said vampire, perishes. She did. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Dun, dun, dun. Amy, why? You wanted her dead, though. And I wanted then her dead, but that was so And then so you were mad weird. that she died. I was just like, but you wanted her dead. But it was a weird death. It was... I was like, oh, okay, fine. I guess she lived. And then she just like... <gasps> and she just yeah. fucking... I was like, what? Yeah. So I guess my favorite death, if I were to have one, would be Count Orlock. Oh, yes. Most definitely. Because... Iconic. Well, also, knock it, during all this, we skipped over him. He's running around the town because he's got a little manhunt going after him. That's true. Because he killed the police officer that was standing guard for him. Yeah, knock. So, he, the police officer, he has a kind of okay death, but Orlock wins because he's the first vampire to die by sunlight. Yes, that is unique to Nosferatu. And then became standard lore practice mm-hmm. for vampires in years to come. Yes. So that's the uh, very sped up plot. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it was hard to get into the nitty gritty for this movie. Yes. It it it's a good film. I recommend everybody to go watch it. Yeah, it's just know that like it is black and white. It is silent. It's a hundred years old. Yeah. You have to take that in consideration. And not just be like, oh, I'm going to throw this on because I heard it's a good movie. It is not. Well, it's not what I wanted to watch. It's not an, mm, It's not the most entertaining movie I've ever watched. No. It's kind of slow. But, again, 100-year difference. It is what it is. It's, it's a, It was a catalyst for a lot of horror movies. Yes. 
and it set a lot of standards in the future and even adapted new vampire lore yes um that wasn't around before in all that and that was all in an an attempt to differentiate itself from bram stoker's dracula yes do you want to talk about that a little bit uh sure i can talk about it too you want to talk about it because i got a lot more stuff and okay i can if that's what you researched i did a little bit take it I'll, I'll, I'll snip in. In order to uh, dodge copyright laws, F.W. Murnau took Bram Stoker's Dracula. They changed character names. They changed places. They th- changed a couple of different things with how the vampire worked and all this. And it was to hopefully not be sued. Well, <laughs> Bram Stoker by this point was dead. Mm-hmm. So his widow, Florence Balcombe, she was like, uh on the way, and she decided to sue the production company and in order to get back, because they didn't ask for the rights. Right. Um. So she did succeed, but it took several, several years in order for her to do so, and in the end, the judge ruled in her favor and ordered the destruction of all known copies of Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. We were lucky enough that it had been distributed basically worldwide at that point, so there were copies that continued to exist, and now we can see it today, but she very nearly just deleted everything. She just yeah. hit the delete button, said no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people are, it's, she's not a very well-liked person in history for the things that she did, I guess. No. Um, I read some stuff on Bram Stoker being, like, a very much a workaholic, and he probably left her alone a lot, and probably some issues in their marriage there, but I think we can cover more of that when we do Dracula, because that is more specific to Bram Stoker. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, she originally was going after money, though, and then when that failed because the film company or studio that they were working under... Films. They filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, so that's also kind of important. So they... Prana Films was made by, I think it was Alvin Grau, Mm-hmm. Um, and that was supposed to focus on basically horror movies, supernatural films, stuff like that. And they created it specifically for this film in the hopes to make many more. It ended up only having Nosferatu, and one of the ways they could get out of paying all those fines that um, Florence wanted them to pay was to declare bankruptcy. So they did. So Nosferatu is the only film made by that production company. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, that pretty much covers that section. So I will just kind of blaze through some of my fun facts here. Yeah, hit me with it. So, uh, it still has a lot of positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. 97% rating. That's pretty high. Yes. And it is deemed, uh, one of the 100 best films in the world of cinema from 2010. Okay, okay, okay. Um. I didn't get a record sooner than that, like, for us. Yeah. But that's what I got from 2010. Um, let's see here. Shortly before the premiere, an advertisement campaign was placed to issue 21 of the, uh, in issue 21 of magazine, I'm gonna butcher this, and I apologize to our listeners in Germany, because I know there's some of you. <laughs> um, Boon und Film? With a summary scene and work of, like, photographs and reports and essays uh, to treat vampirism. Really? Yes. Oh, strange. So, it was, and Alban Grau yeah. uh, headlined that. 
Yeah, so we should talk about Alvin Grau a little bit because I think he's really important. So he's one of the producers of this film. And head of art. Yes. Design and Production stuff. and mm-hmm. stuff like, production design and stuff like that. And he was very, very heavily involved in the occult. Very much so. Yes. Would you like to? Sure. Um, he, in 1925, he participated in, I'm also going to butcher this too, the WADA conference, um, in an international meeting of occult leaders, um, along with Aleister Crowley, who is a known occultist, author. Yes. I believe Satanist, but don't quote me on that. I haven't read too much of Aleister Crowley, because honestly, that dude kind of creeps me out a little bit. He's, and he's tied with the Knights Templar, I believe. Yes, and the Golden Dawn, and... Some big names, some stuff you've heard. He leads so many cults. <laughs> he also has some interesting garb. Christy and I were looking that up. Yes, his Golden Dawn garb is atrocious. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's, no. It's not good. Even if you wanted to blame it on the time frame, it's atrocious. No, I don't even think you could. It's, it's no, bad. it's so bad. Um, and Grau actually shot a film at the conference, but unfortunately that was lost. Yeah. Sad Panda. Um, and it was not a very smooth event. A lot of the follower, followers of the cult that they were in split up because they weren't supporting Crowley or they were supporting Crowley. So that split, the, uh, the Pensa... Pansophical Lodge, <laughs> there we go, um, closed in 1926, and the brothers of that that accepted Crowley ended up creating another uh, group. Yes, uh, that the Fraternitas Saturni. Yes, or the Brotherhood of Saturn Yep, is what that translates to. Um, but he, uh, Grau was invited to be one of the heads of the order, but decided not to do that. Yeah. But still wrote a lot of op, uh, articles and everything surrounding this and the cult and occult practices. And so, and this translates in, into the film. So those weird pieces of paper you see, um, Nock and Orlock holding, those are occult symbols made by Grau. Uh, he drew designs for every single scene. He basically storyboarded the entire movie for this. And apparently, I read that Grau was interested in vampires and stuff before Dracula and whatnot. Um, there is this World War II story he had where he was, he so he, or World, not World War II, World War One. sorry. This is before World War Two. World War One. <laughs> um, he was stationed in Serbia in World War One. He talked to this local farmer who swore and was absolutely convinced that his father was a vampire. Had mm-hmm. come back and was eating first, I think, livestock and then I think people. And whether or not that's true, that could have just been marketing for the movie. But there is some speculation about that. So there's some weird stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. So, back up to fun facts. So, for this being a monster movie that's over 80 minutes long, the monster is only in it for almost 9 minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. It feels like he's in it so much more. It does. He's spaced out well throughout the movie to, yes. to the point where it feels like he's in it all the time. But he's not. And I, I think that's credit to the movie because like, his presence is felt. Yes. The entire time. And I think that's important. It is. It's very well done. 
in that regard. Yes. Um, everything was shot during the day. Because if you filmed at night a black and white movie, nothing's going to be visible on camera. So, yes. Yes. Orlock is walking around with his coffin in broad daylight down the streets <laughs> in Germany. The reason they did that <laughs> is because um, they shot on location, which was not, didn't happen that much. Most things used to be filmed on set so that you could control lighting that would make it look like it was at night, even though it wasn't. And they just don't have the capability to do that on location. So there were moments where I was like, it's night, it's nighttime, right? Like, we didn't miss some, it, that did not translate well at all. <laughs> um, when uh, premiering Nosferatu, they held a costume party at the Berlin Zoo. Yeah, they had a, a little masquerade ball and people danced and they were like, in those costumes from the yeah. time period and stuff. Um, this movie was also banned in Sweden due to excessive horror, and the ban was lifted in 1972. That's stupid. 50 years. That's, it's not scary. I mean, back then it was. It must have been. Um, Nosferatu itself doesn't actually mean anything. A lot of people say it's, like, derived from the Roman word for vampire. Um, it could also be knocked which I'm going to butcher all these, uh, meaning evil one, demon, the devil, or combination of any of those. Uh, Nesferati, uh, meaning unbearable, or Nosferaros, which means plague carrier. Oh, interesting. So, it, Nosferatu in the spelling and the title does not actually mean anything. Interesting. But it has similar, uh letters and like arrangement in the word uh to be other roman actual words yes so. fun fact um i think we should probably talk about like this reflected germany's culture at the time and this is also said to be an anti-semitic film yeah which is very interesting so i'm just gonna list off a couple of things go for it um so the physical appearance of count orlock he's got that really big nose he's got claw-like fingernails, he's bald. Um, that's apparently very stereotypical car caricatures of Jewish people, especially from that time period. He's compared to a rat or a mouse, and that's another tie-in with that. And people are like, people think it, it may not have been Murnau's direct intention to do so. So I was reading through it, and Murnau was homosexual, and knew what it meant to be ostracized and excluded and probably didn't feel that way towards other people because mm -hmm. he knew what that felt like himself. So it probably more likely reflect, reflected his unconscious bias towards people. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why we see that in this movie. I think it's interesting. But, yeah. I, I forgot his name, but one of the reporters that we covered when we did get out during the, like, little Hitler section that we did. Oh, jeez. He um. reviewed and loved this movie. Really? Yes. He And then he became one of Hitler's biggest... You're right! I saw that, but I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name either. Maybe I can find it in our Get Out outline real quick. But, yeah, I noticed that. I'm like, we've seen this guy before. It's, yeah. And his name just stuck out to me again, and now I'm blanking on it. I should have written it down. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. Let's see. Uh, down to the Hitler section. 
uh, down to Jesse Owens. Uh, Joseph Goebbels. Hmm. Yeah, he wrote a, you're right. He wrote a magazine or a newspaper article. He, on was, he became a Nazi propaganda minister. Yep. So, he loved the movie probably because... He made ties to it that he, way. Yes. He saw what he wanted to see. Yes. Which, honestly, I didn't even... Did not get any of that watching this through. That was... No. Nope. Um, we did mention this was shot on location. So, a lot of the places where this was shot... Um, are still standing today, so you can go visit them. Count Orlok's castle is called Orava Castle. It's in Slovakia, because part of this was shot in Slovakia. Um, and it actually looks very similar to what it looked like in the film. They really haven't done too much to those places. There are certain things in the town, like where that scene with the coffins, some of that stuff is no longer standing. It was bombed in World War II, so it's gone. Yeah. But some of the major shots, like where they lived, where Count Orlok lived in his castle and where he was moving to, are still stands. So you can go and look at it if you want. I kind of find that that's crazy. Like, that film lasts forever as long as you don't delete all the film work of it and all that. <laughs> yup. Stoker Widow adding you. We look at you. We look at you. But, like, to show what a town looked like before a big disaster, like a bombing. Yeah. And then, like, the same with New York, with the Twin Towers. Yeah. Like, you don't know what that looks like unless you go back and find pictures of it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way to go revisit that. The skyline is completely different. Correct. So I kind of find that interesting mm -hmm. that cities and, and that regard can look forever unchanged, but then... Yeah, and the two cities or the two towns they filmed in in Germany were Wismar and Lübeck. So, fun facts. No idea. I've never. No wait, I have been to Germany. <laughs> never, I have been. To Germany. I have not. I I was down in Munich though, so nowhere near these places. I haven't really left the country much. I went to Spain. I went to Mexico. And then I went to Mexico. Those are the only two. Technically, I landed in Sweden, but I was only there for like two hours because of layover. Well, so that was like that being doesn't in Paris. count. Yeah, Dun it doesn't count. No, you didn't actually go see it. Right, but they had great chocolate, complimentary uh, chocolate. Um, it was so yummy. It's like when when Midwest used to have chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Do you remember that? A long time. It was ago. a. It was a, when we were little. I didn't take too many airplane rides when I was little. I think we took Southwest uh, when we went to Disney World <laughs> when I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have a few historical things. Yeah. Still. So uh, during World War One, there was actually an underground shelter in Belgium. Okay. Uh, called the Vampire Dugout. And that was more used for like a little bit of a headquarters, like a base um, it was lost for a long time, but then rediscovered in 2007. Oh, that's, that's very recent. So, it, uh, known as the Vampire Dugout, or the Vampire Dugout. Vampire! Vampire. So, um, it's close to the public, unfortunately, but a lot of historians are still digging up a lot of information through hmm. that section of the world. And then, with my minor history research i came across a very interesting fellow <laughs> uh, he is a hungarian serial killer vampire 
named uh, Bella Ki- or Bela Kiss. There we go. Uh, he was a normal guy. He married and unmarried and remarried, had some kids. He unmarried himself. He unmarried, got a new <laughs> wife. Um, the second wife all of a sudden wasn't going out, according to the housekeeper at the time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and she kind of just fell off the face of the earth, according to the housekeeper. What? She's like, nobody saw her. And then all of a sudden. She was dead. The housekeeper kept noticing uh, Vila was starting to see other women <gasps> that the housekeeper wasn't allowed to interact with. <gasps> the housekeeper was in charge of the house, but not like these tin barrels that of gas that were showing up everywhere. What the heck? Um, so she didn't open it because it's not her job to yeah, know. Yeah, she wouldn't snoop. So they were in the backyard and throughout the house a little bit, and it's just gasoline, right? Yeah, right. Okay. yeah totally. <laughs> so Bila went to go serve in the war and left the care of his house to the housekeeper while he was away. Okay. A couple months later, uh, during 1916, the army found out that Bila had all this gasoline, and that's a resource that was heavily needed back then. So oh. they're like, let's go get those tins. Oh, no. We'll bring them back, and oh, no. it will be an extra contribution that he did to for the war. Oh, no. So they go over to Beale's house. Oh, no. Open up the first tin. Find a strangled woman in there. Oh, no. <laughs> and after inspecting all the other ones, they found twenty, at least 23 other women. Oh, my god! And at least one man. Ooh. All of which were drained of blood. frisky. Yep. All of which were drained of blood. And they had bizarre markings around their neck. Weird. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Was his wife in one of the barrels? I think so. It wasn't confirmed because I don't think they had the technology to kind of That's fair. identify and people. And how decomposed were those people? Right. A couple months in gasoline. I don't know how well gasoline would preserve a body. So they were being pickled? like Yeah, pickled people. Ew! <laughs> I thought he was just like the the gasoline. That's how he was hiding empty. the bodies. I thought they were empty. He just put people in them instead. <laughs> he was the OG Jeffrey Dahmer. Ew! <laughs> Ew! Did, okay, so then did he like puncture their like? Did he use his teethies or like did he? No idea. Nobody could identify the markings on their necks. That's disturbing. Yes. So whether they were bite marks or ligature marks or anything like that, we don't know. Um, Wait, was he, did he die in World War? I'm getting there. Okay, I'm keep going, getting... I need to know. So, after finding all of these dead bodies everywhere, then they also found a secret room in his house. Love report. Filled with love letters, books on poison, women's jewelry and clothing. He could have sold that shit. It was his trophy room. Ew! Ew! Uh, Ew! Thus, thus, a warrant for his arrest was issued. Oh, yeah. However, Beale Kiss, or Beale Kiss, was an actually common name back then. No. So they thought the fir- th- that it could have been the guy that died earlier on in the war. But then they did some more digging. They found out that he was recuperating in, in, in a hospital in Serbia. Okay. In October of 1916. Okay. So... They go over there, police end up finding a decoy body of somebody else in bed instead of Vila. What the heck? He disappeared. He vanished. He's gone. Oh no, he was not gone. He was gone. He probably changed his name and disappeared. Reported sightings of him came came through Europe uh, all throughout this time frame. 
And then the last sighting that someone claims yes. uh, was that he was a janitor in New York City in the 1930s. But there's no confirmed death. Think, Nobody found his body. I was going to say, do you, he think, gone. do you think he continued his uh, his eating habits? He could have. His dietary restrictions? Possibly. <laughs> Ew! Oh, but that's yeah, messed I, up. I found him very interesting to read about this morning. Hmm. I, I found him just out of the blue. Ew. But I thought that was kind of fun to share. Because it's, it's in the time frame yeah, of our movie and the same subject matter as our movie. <laughs> so, don't know if maybe he was in, uh, he wouldn't have been inspired by the film because it came out after him. No, Growl but, could have been inspired by something could've. like that, though. Maybe Bela Kiss was actually Growl's dad that he was thinking about. <gasps> He's the vampire. Maybe Elvin Growl is Bela Kiss. Oh my <gasps> gosh! <laughs> yes! <laughs> you heard it here first. Hot take, guys. Hot take. Hot take. Alright, well, I, that's pretty much all the stuff that I had. You got all the stuff? I have a few more. You have a few more? I have a Hit few it. more. Okay, so there is... There was a 1930s sound version of this movie called The Twelfth Hour, A Night of Horror, which is less commonly known um, because it wasn't authorized in a re-edited version of the film. So apparently during this time frame, they would take films sometimes and they would film different new scenes on their own and they would add it into a film and they would patchwork, stuff like that. Because people just didn't know. They, they, you know, they could get away with a lot of things that they definitely can't get away with now. So that had an alternate ending, um, and the characters were renamed once again. <laughs> um, and it did contain, apparently, many scenes of film that Murnau had not previously released. So, extra behind-the-scenes footage. Oh, I also forgot another fun fact while you were talking about it. Yeah. After Ryu Murnau, when he died, yes. his grave then became desecrated, and someone stole his head. Yeah. And they have yet to find his head. They think it was an occult-inspired thing. Mm-hmm. Some kind of satanic thing. It's and probably used in some ritual. And oh, yeah. It's lost forever. They There's no found, way you can find that. Yeah, they found candles or something that signified that. And Murnau died in 1931, mm-hmm. uh, very early. He got into a car crash, and he went through the windshield. And died. Cool. He dead dope. That, in horror movies, that tends to be one of the some of the uh, scenes that I kind of gravitate to. Because I know in Scream 2, okay. someone does that. Or, yeah, kind of. Uh, the Omen, there's a windshield scene. Saw has a windshield scene. And that has actually uh, Chester from Lincoln Park, R.I.P. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. Windshield scenes, they're everywhere. I have two more fun facts. Do one, it. this is one of Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's favorite films. All right. And two, I think you'll really like this. So, Robert Englund, who plays Freddy Krueger, he once stated that his movements were based off of Count Orlocks from this movie. Yes! I love Robert so much. <laughs> if I could meet him, I could die happy. <laughs> but um, taglines real quick, there's only one. It's a thrilling mystery masterpiece, a chilling psychodrama of bloodlust. Very classic, like... Classy. Yeah. So classy. So classic. So much classic. 
All right. You want to grade this shit? Yes. So Christy and I have five questions that we grade on a scale of one to ten each for a possible score of 50 each, 100 total, that we just use as a way to kind of uh, rank our movies that we've watched. Yeah. So first question is, was this movie scary? Was it a good horror movie? This is real. I'm going to just say this outright. This was really, really hard to grade. Yes. I went with, like, if I was 1922, being the horror fan I am, what would I grade this on and what other source materials do I have to compare it to? Yeah, because if if, if I had gone how the way I felt, I probably would have given this a really, really low score. Yes. Um, but I did give this one a 6. I gave it a 10. That's fair. It was. It's the pinnacle of one of the ho- greatest horror films that you have to watch before you die, whether yes. you like it or not. Like, if you're a horror fan, you got to at least watch it once in your life. Yes. So, ten out of ten. It it's it's at that bar. It's stated as being one of the greatest horror films. I'm gonna give that to the professionals and say ten out of ten. And then the second question was, how was the acting? Seven. Seven. Like, like we said, it's black and white. You have to overstate your actions and everything like that. But the only person who bothered me was the lady who played Ellen. Ellen. Because there is a way to do that without looking absolutely bananas, and she looks bananas. She does look bananas. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> oh no, she is as you would say, cuckoo for cocoa puffs. <laughs> she is. She wackadoo for smackadoo. Yeah, she she is. Uh, how were the special effects? Eight. Based on time frame and how little special effects, uh, were going on back then, I gave it a ten. Yeah, that's fair. That shadow play work. Very nice. That got me. Yes. I love it. Was it a compelling story or have an interesting twist? Five. I gave it a seven. It was so compelling and so different. And yes. it still had a different ending than what typical Dracula or other vampires at the time were. So I gave it a seven. I, it was average for me just because of how much it borrows from Dracula. That's fair. It's not original source material to me, so, like, it did good, it did some different things, but it's average to me. They didn't change enough kind of thing. That's fair. And then, lastly, how was character development and writing? For the same reason I downplayed the compelling, compelling story or interesting twist is why I give this one a three. I gave it a five. Yeah. I did the same thing. I'm like... It could have used a little bit more character. Or even just some help in storyline. Because, like, I got lost sometimes. Yeah. Maybe find a way to give... uh, I don't need to watch Carriage Rise. (laughs) The viewer, some aspect of time. Yes. Yes. I think that would have been the biggest help. Yeah. I think it was, in some ways, like, it's really cool that they shot on location, but it hindered their time telling of nighttime versus daytime like some of these characters had pocket watches like if you had the character just glance at their pocket watch do a quick shot of what the pocket watch said that would have said enough it it was difficult and hutter how did he get back home without to being on the same ship like i'm pretty sure he took a horse he might have but was it possible well i guess i am not very good with knowing about europe and their geography. Yeah. Ge- yeah, geography was never more. I can't even do United States geography, guys. I'm like, <laughs> like I know where, ge- where all the states are, but if you want me to do anything past that, I'm just like, nah. Not too hot. Like, I couldn't tell you where, like, certain rivers are. Like, Oh, no. no. So, my total score was a 29. I had a 39. 
So our grand total is 68. So it's actually smack dab between Evil Dead Remake, which had 67, and Evil Dead the Original, which had 69. Wow, we split them right down the middle. Yeah, Nosferatu, the great equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> the great divide. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so you wanna, next. You want to say it? You want to say it? You wanna I'm say so it? excited. Okay, so we're doing... <laughs> So every 10th episode, we're going to try and do a remake. Yes, and so our next episode will be our 20th episode. We are going to be doing the remake of My Bloody Valentine with Jensen Ackles. Oh, the most gorgeous boy. <laughs> we're going to be fangirling pretty much the entire next episode. Uh, Yes, because Jensen Ackles is one of the most gorgeous men on the planet. Do you know what year this one was made? It's early 2000s. Uh, 2009? 2010? Mm. Uh, it's one of those. Not because I remember when it came out, and I was in high school. Uh, I got the band. I don't want the band. <laughs> uh, it, oh yeah, this was originally a 3D movie. It is 2009. Nailed it. Because I remember... I remember going in high school, we had uh, a theater lockdown um, around us, and all of us after pep band, I know, oh, heck I'm, yeah. heck I'm yeah. a band geek, we went over there, and all night, like, you just paid for admission, and you could go into any movie oh, that was just airing throughout the theater, so, like, we saw, like, Benjamin Button, which, ugh, no. Never watched that. Uh, Avatar, like, twice. Wait. Avatar Blue People Avatar? Blue People Avatar. Okay, good, good, good. Um, but you could also, you got, like, one free popcorn and soda, otherwise you had to pay for that. Okay. But, like, the the people who were there that were of age mm -hmm. could go see My Bloody Valentine. I was not, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would be dragging all of my friends in there with me, and they would have hated me forever. Yeah, but, it, I mean, <laughs> I am but very I When we were waiting for the next movie, I would... We were kind of sitting near it, so I would kind of try and listen in through the door. <laughs> so I would hear a few screams every once in a while. I'm just like, I want to go see this. I don't want to see Blue People again. We saw it twice tonight already. It's a long movie. It is. I think I slept movie. through the second time just to kind of get something because it was all night. And then, yeah, oh yeah. So we left at like 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh. Uh, so yeah, after pep band, a day of school, going over, watch movies all night long. I think we also found a different movie to sleep through, which was Elvin and the Chipmunks, the sequel. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. no. I don't know how many of us actually slept through that, and we went halfway through, so it wasn't like... It was just like, oh, we need a, something to go sit in on. Yeah, we need we need to just go sit down and shut our eyes for a few moments so we can go get ready for the next movie. Okay. Type of video, so. Yeah! But so, anyway, that's it for... Us. Oh yeah! If you like our artwork as much as we do, oh my god, go check out my sister Danielle at Danny Draws Dragons on Instagram. Extra Link in fabulous. The yep, as always. If you want to come join the conversation, you can rate and review us wherever you hear the podcast. Our beautiful voices. Our beautiful voices, yes. however beautiful they may be. Uh, my extra beautiful. I don't know what you talking about. <laughs> I'm more dissing my own voice. <laughs> no. Love yourself, Christy. <laughs> Reach yourself. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you can come find our Facebook group, uh, Unnerved a Horror Movie Podcast, or you can join us on Twitter, which we're not on as frequently. But if you comment or yeah. or tweet at us there, we'll we'll find it and we'll 
tweet back at you at anerved. Um, join us again in two weeks for my bloody Valentine. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff on the docket. We're scheduled all the way through October. Yeah, so we, we have a lot fun. of good stuff. Got a good fun lineup. Oh, we have excited. a few guests coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new guest coming on. So uh, look forward to that. But in the meantime, you got to stay spooky. Hey, got to stay safe. Yeah. And we'll see y'all <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye.